<laughs> nerd. Welcome, nerds around, to Nerd and Nerder. Uh, I am here with my good buddy, Karsten. Hello. And he is here with me. So, welcome to the first episode of a new podcast that we are hosting. Karsten, how was your day today? Oh, it wasn't terrible. You know, just got off work. But now the real work gets put in. We get to make a podcast. So that's the fun part. Yeah. No, this is, this is the fun stuff. The fun stuff happens once, you know, you do the not so fun stuff. So basically what this podcast is all about, Carson and I, we're a couple of nerds. And we talk, we, basically this podcast is for us to go on and just gush about the stuff we are nerdy for. I guess a little bit of introduction is in order as far as like who we are. Are kind of like how... We came into the world of nerdum, I guess, if that makes any sense. That's fair, yeah. So, Carson, why don't you start? Well, okay, yeah, so, as you know, my name is Carson here. I guess my first real, you know, introduction into said nerd world, obviously we're going to be going over plenty of different nerd realms in this podcast, but uh-huh. um, I would say my first introduction was probably video games back in elementary middle school just playing video games and learning more about lore and then eventually developing this unhealthy obsession with star wars <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense as someone who knows you very well uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't it's an obsession definitely i wouldn't necessarily call it unhealthy but i mean i have a tattoo that's on me or two tattoos on me that are permanent I mean, I've seen so many people with like like anime tattoo galore, man. Like That's you fair. I don't know, you have to have a whole like Star Wars sleeve before we can call it like an unhealthy obsession. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So get to work on that, by the way. Okay, noted. Yeah. <laughs> um and my name is Will. I have been a I've been basically a gamer and like also like science nerd since I was a, a really really small child. I the some of my earliest memories are when I was like two years old playing video games on the SNES, uh, playing Super Mario World, uh, playing a little bit of Super Mario sixty four on the Nintendo sixty four, and even playing Pokemon uh, as early as four years old when I didn't really know how to play Pokemon. I just restarted the game over and over again trying to uh, basically just trying to get the same starter Pokemon as my rival did. For those of you who play Pokemon, you will realize how stupid that is. I can confirm this story. Yes, yes. So the whole basis of this, uh, the whole basis of this is basically one of us is nerd, which is this week is Karsten, and the other one is nerder. And we alternate every week. Uh, basically, whoever is nerder gets to decide the dis- discussion topic for this week. And since we just got done talking about Pokemon, this week we are talking about Pokemon. Probably the one thing I've spent the most amount of time gushing over in my entire life. Yeah, so I guess we'll go ahead and get started. So, Karsten, imagine, if you will. Well, okay. let, me, let, me, let me ask this first. How... I know, have you ever played any Pokemon whatsoever in your life? Um, I mean, I've been around Pokemon for my entire life because of my brother. He's just huge into the Pokemon. But I mean, like, I don't think, I've probably sat down and maybe played maximum 35, 40 minutes in a Pokemon game. Which one? No clue. Can't tell. You have no idea. Okay. 
I know there's All a right. lot. <laughs> there, no, there's there's a lot. I think later this year, later this year, um, when Scarlet, a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out to the Switch, that will make forty main series games. And that's just main series, not 40? to count all of the all of the forty, oh. and and basically start stemming all the way from 1996 with the relation with the relation with the release of Red and Green in Japan, and then they got released later in the states as Red and Blue. Um, I don't know why they decided to drop Green in favor of Blue when they say. came over to the states, <laughs> but they did. Those games were buggy messes so i'm so glad that they came so far in the 26 years or so of creation basically imagine if you will a world much like ours you know that's inhabited by that's inhabited by creatures and humans alike only these creatures they're they're fairly similar to animals but these animals can have elemental powers you know some of them the they're fairly meek and weak uh Maybe they might not be much stronger than a normal beaver, or not much stronger than a normal whale. But others can control the forests we walk through, the land we step on, the oceans we swim in. Some even control space and time. And then one is considered to be the god of the universe, basically the creator of the universe. That is basically the Pokemon world. And you, as a, as a, and I always found this funny. Um, so Pokemon are considered to be dangerous creatures where like, it, you cannot walk into tall grass. You cannot walk outside in like into any sort of foliage without having a Pokemon by your side. But for some reason they let 10 year olds, which is how old you are in the games or 10, 11, 12, something like that. They let 10 year olds wield these Pokemon and go walk wherever they want. So a 10-year-old has all the power in his pocket, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, they, it starts off, you know, fairly meek. Uh, you know, you're only, you only, you start off, you meet basically what is the equivalent of your local zoologist. And you're recruited to complete this encyclopedia of information called the Pokedex. And you set off on this journey throughout your region to catch all these Pokemon uh, and to fill out this encyclopedia as much as possible. And eventually... Uh, you become more than likely the champion of your region while also defeating some, some like mafia level gangs in the process to put it, to put it bluntly. It makes, it makes sense in the context of the games, but now when you, when you, when you step back a little bit and kind of pick it apart for what it is, that's kind of what you do. So I've always found it funny how like, you know, you're 10 years old and you're, you know, like you said, you have the, a lot of power in your back pocket that is found in these Pokemon, but you're also taking on these Mafia-style games. I like, well, it kind of is. Team Rocket kind of is Mafia. They're literally stealing Pokemon, who to some people are like pets, and basically using them for their own corporate gain. Wow, sounds like the real world. Oh, let's not talk. This we're we're nerds for a reason. We escape the real world. We this we, is we true. shouldn't this really. Is true. Yeah, we we shouldn't delve too much into that. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, if you had to guess, how many Pokemon do you think there are? And actually, I probably have to look this up myself just in case I have this wrong. Um. See, and I, I, just because you talk about it, I know it's somewhere in the realm. I'm gonna take a guess. I have a number in my head. I don't know if it's close or not, 
862. 862? Yeah, that's my guess. Okay, we're going to play higher or lower. Oh, gosh. Okay. So it's higher. Uh, is it higher than 900? Yes. 1,000? No. It's lower. So it's 950-ish. Lower. 934. Lower. 925. Lower. 907. Lower. 903. Higher. 906. Lower. Uh, 904. Higher. 905. Correct. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as of Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, there are 905 Pokemon. Uh, the next oh. Pokemon games coming out this later later this year uh, will push it over a thousand. So is that is each obviously it would be I know there's evolutions. Each evolution uh, counts as one, right? Correct. So uh, if we were to start all the way from the beginning, Pokemon one, two, Pokemon's number one, two, and three. We have from Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, and Venusaur are all basically Ivysaur evolves from Bulbasaur and Venusaur evolves from Ivysaur, but they are separate one, two, and three. Okay. Cause that'd be crazy if there was 900 and what, what did he say? Six, five, 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 like iterations of three. Yeah. That'd just be what at quick maths, like 1800 and 15. No, it it'd no. be uh, 2715. Yeah, 2715. That that would be ridiculous. Ha! That's math nerd. Um math nerd in me. Even though that in in the grand scheme of things that wasn't that hard, but now nah, whatever. Um yeah, and Pokémon is a kids game. It's amazing. It's amazing like how many people my age and a little bit older still cling on to this franchise, which by the way is the largest and and wealthiest franchise in the entire world really yes uh i do want to look it up just to confirm it but yeah last i saw pokemon was the uh largest franchise in the world wow well yeah they market like like to every country of course i'm sure and not only that well also uh, they uh, anywhere you'll just see like pikachu pikachu is such a recognizable character as much, if not maybe more recognizable than Mickey Mouse. I mean, it, especially internationally. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I remember, like, because of course, you know how Japan just uh, hosted, I believe it was Japan, that just hosted the Olympics. One of the Olympics. Yeah, Tok- Tokyo hosted the Winter Olympics. Okay, yeah, because sh- they use like that. Of course, it's all like, animation styles from japan but it's like a lot of the same like characteristics for a lot of the characters created for the the olympics characters Mm, yeah and i'm sure there's sweets and everything for for pikachu and whoever yeah also but but it's not just it's not just the games and it's not just the fact that they market uh globally which that definitely helps but they also have so many types of memorabilia. It's insane. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and like they have the video games, of course, which which started it all. 
Uh, right here, actually in front of me, I have a stack of Pokemon trading cards. Uh, there's a trading card game where the market in that is itself is gigantic. Yeah, I know during COVID that went like ridiculous. And they had like some places had to start locking up packs of it because people. Oh, yeah. If you go to the. If you go to the yeah, absolutely. If you go to the gas station, that's right around the corner from my place. They have they have Pokemon cards, but it's locked behind. Wow, the gas station has Pokemon cards. Yeah, and it's locked behind the counter where like the cigarette and the t- where cigarettes and the tobacco are. Wow, uh, it's locked behind there. I-, I don't know if there's like a limit to how many packs you can buy, but you but yeah, it's locked away back there. So that way, I guess I guess it's harder to steal because it's higher dollar memorabilia. Yeah, it's it's a lot like like fantasy, like or not fantasy, but like football or sports trading cards in the sense that certain cards have more value, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I don't know what the most expensive Pokemon card is at this time. It's uh, definitely got to be that that quote unquote real Logan Paul uh, <laughs> Pokemon card. <laughs> Are you so you're skeptical of that? Uh, well, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how it could be. What was it like? Ten million dollars he paid for it. A lot of there, like there are some expensive Pokemon cards, and um, but ten and, million and I guess just to, yeah, and I guess just to tie up what we were talking about earlier. So I looked up, um, basically the high. It's not franchise period. It's the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I was I may have been a little bit wrong, but it gets uh it gets I gotta zoom in on this. Probably a ridiculous amount of money. So it grosses I don't know if this is per year or anything. What is this? I don't know. But it's it's what whether this is all time or you know, in the in the past year, whatever the year is. Um okay, I see it is wait, I don't I'm wait a minute. I can't read this thing. Well, I, I can read it. Don't I'm I'm not that dumb. Um <laughs> by total revenue. Okay, so it's total revenue from its inception in nineteen ninety six, ninety two point one two one billion dollars. Ninety one point one two one billion. Ninety two point one yeah. Okay. Uh but yeah. pretty similar. Um wow. seventeen billion of that came from the uh came from merchandise. Ooh. Uh which is that's the biggest section of it. Nineteen, uh, or seventeen, excuse me, billion dollars of it came from merchandise. Wow. Wait a minute. No, no, I'm still reading this wrong. <laughs> God dang it! This thing sucks. Um, but no, it's sixty-one billion came come from merchandise, and that's uh, that's so that's t-shirts. Half. Pretty much, that's t-shirts. That is, you know, basically wearable things. Or, you know, toys and whatnot. That's merchandise. All that. Those sales make up for $61.1 billion. Then we go to the video games. That's this. That's where the $17.1 billion comes okay. from. Okay. So $17 billion in video games alone. Yeah. Jeez. Then you go to trading cards, which accounts for $10.25 billion. Which I'm sure if they could make more, they would. that would be a lot more. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that's money that you get for buying the that's the money that like they the packs, get for you right? right for you buying the packs for you for you buying like the the sets and whatnot that's the money they get all the resale value stuff i don't think any of that goes that, to Pokemon. yeah that wouldn't i wouldn't see that being included right then you have comics and manga that accounts for 1.46 billion box office accounts for 1.31 billion they've had theatrical releases of movies 
Oh my god, yeah. Uh, Pokemon, the Pokemon the movie 2000. Uh, no, not even that. I think Pokemon the first movie, which was released... I, I am so bad at Googling stuff. There it is. Um, I was like, I looked up was Pokemon first. And of course the movie doesn't, <laughs> doesn't pop up immediately. But yeah, Pokemon, the first movie Mewtwo Strikes Back was released in 1998. And I think it was a theatrical release. Was it here in the States or was it only in Japan? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Because I'm sure like now it would be huge if they released the movie. Well, here's the thing. As as Pokemon fans like me age, I think we be, we become less interested in the anime. Like there's a there's a portion of our lives where we become really really interested and really really, you know, uh concerned with the anime. But I think as we age, we become less so interested with the anime and we just basically just focus on games and trading cards. Ah. Uh, I remember watching the the TV show. Was it on Cartoon Network? Yeah, it was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. That's where that meme came from of guess the Pokemon. Who's that Pokemon? Yeah. yeah. And then he screams, that it's Pokemon. Pikachu. How dare you? Sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm not a Pokemon nerd, and that's why we're having this conversation. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was released in the United States, I believe theatrically, uh, November 12th, 1999. Oh, wow. I mean, no matter what, I wonder if they would count that as like, well, what was the last category you said? Because it was home something. Well, because like I'm, I'm wondering if they would count that as home entertainment. Home entertainment. So that's probably like you know DVD release. I'm sure that's not included in box office. Yeah, I'm sure box office is just ticket sales. That could also be internationally. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be like here at home. But like you know, Japan Japan theatrical releases of Pokemon movies probably do do really well there. Yeah. Um, do do. Huh. Do you want to take a guess as to what the second highest grossing media franchise of all time is? Second highest media, probably. I don't know, because like that media is such a broad umbrella. That is true. I I might go out on a limb and say Call of Duty, like the franchise of Call of Duty. Call of Duty. That's interesting. I don't think they're anywhere on this list. Call of Duty. Yeah, they're nowhere on this list. Call of Duty. So the second, the second most, uh, the second highest, I keep wording it wrong, the second highest grossing media franchise of all time is Hello Kitty. What? <laughs> really? Hello Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. A 99% of its revenue comes from merchandise. 99%? Oh my. <laughs> and then you have a measly, well not measly, but you have $23 million comes from the comics and manga and, uh, Three million comes from music. Hello Kitty has manga. Yeah. Well, I think that's what? I I don't I could be wrong, but that's how it started. Maybe I don't know. Interesting. I would never have guessed Hello Kitty. I would have guessed like, well, granted, I guess Hello Kitty's huge in Japan, isn't it? Compared to here, it is. It's a lot bigger over there than it is here. Yeah, because because I was thinking, oh, I would have guessed like Bratz or something before Hello Kitty. Or even the Powerpuff Girls, but yeah, that makes all that all makes sense, I guess, because it's huge over there. I know that, right? And and you finally get to some Disney related stuff. Uh, number three is Winnie the Pooh uh, at seventy five billion dollars. Oh, wow. A lot of so what I'm seeing from this whole thing is that merchandise uh, actually 
is actually a big breadwinner for a lot of these franchises. So it, I mean, that makes sense because like what's included under merchandise, almost everything. I mean, you're going to have like, say if a little kid has a birthday party and they get like balloons or plates that have that character on it, that's, you know, owned by the, the, the parent company, they're going to get all that money. So yeah, that's, that makes sense why that's the biggest. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much everything that is not like some sort of consumable media, like clothes, anything that's not a video game, game, movie, whatever. That's wild. I guess to to finally go back on top, uh, finally to get back to the topic of discussion here. So, and I think what I was, and I think what I was on the track of saying is that Pokemon is ultimately a game of for kids. That's why um, the main character is always like 10, 11, 12 years old, but it's, it's always been really, it's always been really interesting to see people my age and even a little bit older still like hold on to the to the series and I think and I think the reason why is because Pokemon is actually a lot more complicated than you might believe. Oh, I'm sure. Well, like I I I do know this much that there's different, you know, I I want to say categories, but it's not types. That's the word. Different types of Pokemon. And they all have, of course, their strengths and weaknesses, and you can build a team to be like really, really, really good. And that's, and I know there's a lot of like matchmaking in the sense that you have to have this Pokemon with this one to counteract, say, your partner's uh, Pokemon that he's battling you with. And there's a lot of just, you know, skill that goes behind that, which I, I can respect. The amount of people that they spend hours doing that. And I've been, I've been playing some competitive Pokemon. I finally started playing after being a casual player for nearly 20 years. I have finally started playing competitive Pokemon here a little bit in the last few months. And it is difficult. Like a lot of these people, well, for one, a lot of the people are always already way ahead of the curve. Right. Because a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people when they casually play Pokemon, like just play through the games themselves, uh, the stories and whatnot. Eventually, they're going to find it pretty easy to get through the game because, like I said earlier, the games are meant for kids. So, when, so when you ha when you have fully functioning heads on your shoulders, the games can get fairly easy. So, a lot of people when they get to like teenagers, teenage, you know, uh, age or whatever, they start dabbling in competitive Pokemon. And I'm kind of and I'm really late to the curve there. And it's it's been hard because there are eighteen types, I believe now. Oh, um. My. Every Pokemon can be can be two of 18 types. And I think, I don't know the exact number, but there's basically almost as many moves a Pokemon can learn as there are number of Pokemon. Now, different Pokemon can learn different moves based on a few factors, but there are nearly as many moves in the Pokemon universe as there are many Pokemon. And each one does different things. Each move has a different type. Each one may have a secondary effect that you have to take into account. And, uh, it, and the type, the typing matchups where like, where like this, this move may do a lot of damage to this type of Pokemon, but may not do a lot of damage to this type of Pokemon. And it's a lot to keep track of when playing competitive Pokemon. So I like, I, I make mistakes all the time, but I'm like, how do people, how do people like keep track of all this stuff while battling in high intense situations? And it's insane to me. So my question is, I know there's a normal type. Is that correct? Yes, you are correct. So, with that normal type, 
does that mean any Pokemon can learn that normal move? A lot of Pokemon can learn moves from any type. Oh. So you've actually you've actually uh, uncovered a new topic uh, here called STAB, or at least that's the abbreviation. It stands for Same Type Attack Bonus. All all Pokemon can learn moves that have types that are different than its own. Like you may have a normal type Pokemon be able to learn a fighting type move or vice versa. But in order to get the best utilization out of the move, that's where stab comes in. If if a Pokemon uses a move that is the same type as it is itself, it gets a 50% power bonus. 50 woo. So so that so that's where it comes in also being like I want these moves for these Pokemon. Yeah, pretty much. Because not not all moves not all moves do damage. Uh, there 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 are plenty of status moves as well as what they're called. There's just so much to follow. Oh my goodness, goodness. Yes, yeah, status and the the status moves can make or break a Pokemon a Pokemon team. Basically, like you have some you have some status moves that can do something like raise your stats or some status moves that uh nerf the nerf the 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 opposing pokemon stats or it might do some combination of the two um or you may inflict a condition on the opposing pokemon or yourself and uh those conditions there are there is a good amount of them if i can remember all of them there's burn poison paralyze sleep freeze and confusion i could be missing some uh but all of those do something different and have a secondary effect like i think poison not poison burn it it takes away 6% of your damage each turn and it halves your physical attack wow it's a lot so that's something else to keep to keep track of like if you if if the opposing per- person sends out a strong physically attacking uh pokemon the worst thing you can do to it is burn it and you don't even have to do any immediate damage all you have to do is burn it and then it takes away a lot of the offensive power from it wow so yeah so there's like it's it's on the cover. It's like a kid's game, but underneath it's just this whole book of different pl- strategies, and it's like one of the most intense strategy games. Yes, that is true, and it goes deeper. Oh, <laughs> of course it, of course it does. So, on top of the different move sets and different typings, each Pokemon can also hold an item. And that item can have a varying effect in battle. Something it can be something as simple as oh, it raises the it raises um, the power of these types of moves by by like twenty percent, or if or under these certain conditions, you can if if you're like if the Pokemon is holding a berry of some sort under these certain conditions, your Pokemon can eat the berry and then regain some health or re or you know fix a status condition that it might have gotten. Is that new? What is? Like the holding, holding the item. Cause like, I remember something like it was, you had an item in your backpack and you could give it to them. That's, that has always been a thing. Like as far as, well, not held items. Uh, and I need, to, I need to look up exactly when it started because you are right in saying that held items were not a thing at the very beginning. Like it, but you could, you could always use a potion or something on your Pokemon in order to um, in order to heal the mid battle or, or something like that, but uh, they can also hold an item. In Generation Two, Generation Two came out 
1999. So since 1999, Pokemon could hold an item that, that could help them out in battle. Oh, so all my life, I didn't know that. Well, granted, I, I didn't know a lot about Pokemon. So mm-hmm. I'm, not the, I'm not the best source. Right. Also, not all of your life, because I think Pokemon games come out in the fall of every year. And you and you and I were born not you and I were born earlier than that within the year. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of different categories. I've actually found a list of all of these are not even all of the items. These are just the categories. There's berries, colored orbs, drives, power items, evolution, inducing held items, uh, experience affecting items, gems, incense, megastones, memories, plates, stat enhancing items, type enhancing items, Z crystals, in battle effect items. Out of battle effect items, mail. Mail doesn't really do much uh, outside of, uh, you know, in battle. Scarves. I was about to say and gallery, but gallery is the part of the uh, wiki page <laughs> where it's just it's just the pictures. Um, no, but no, gallery. Gallery is not a section of items. Wow, that's that's wild. There's so much. But it goes deeper. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> But I think I think what I'm about to mention is probably the deepest part of it. So each Pokemon has a nature attributed to it. Basically, it's there. It could be these Pokemon could have like a serious nature or a jolly nature or you know a modest nature stuff stuff like that. It's it's meant to be like a well on the surface. It sounds like just a cute way to describe the you know the the behavior of your Pokemon, and and that's what I thought it was. It was like oh okay you know this Pokemon. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, though. I thought that, oh, it's right. the behavior. No, this, no, this Pokemon's jolly. That's that's good to know. I like, I like jolly Pokemon. I like, I like uh, you know, I like nice Pokemon. But, but natures have an effect on the Pokemon stats. Uh, Pokemon, Pokemon, ever since Generation 2, I think, have six stats. There's HP, uh, attack, defense, special attack, special defense, and speed the natures can can affect how fast or how slow your pokemon can grow within within certain stats most natures most natures will be positive for one stat and then negative for another so that way it balances out mm. so if you have a pokemon that's just naturally built by the by the game devs to be a fairly strong physical attacker, but you it gets it has a nature that lowers its physical attack. It's detrimental, and you basically have to throw the Pokemon away in favor of another one. That could be game like breaking. Not in the I mean in in form of like competitive Pokemon. Absolutely, competitive Pokemon. Abs absolutely. If like if the Pokemon has the wrong nature, you pretty much got to throw it away and pick another one or start over. Wow. And another thing that affects the stats and how how big or how low they can be is uh evs and ivs evs i think stands for effort values and ivs i gotta look i gotta look this up again my brain went to the pokemon ev when you said that ev what oh like the yeah okay yeah there's there's evs and ivs and ev stands for um effort values and iv stands for individual values the evs for a Pokemon, when you first get it, when you first obtain it, it starts out all as all zeros. And a Pokemon can obtain, I believe it's upwards of 520 EVs that could be distributed throughout the six different stats. 
And the way that you can get those EVs and distribute them properly is the Pokemon within the wild uh, of the game that you take on and defeat in battle. When you defeat a Pokemon in battle, you get a certain amount of EVs towards a certain stat. I'm trying to wrap my brain yeah, around So this. basically, if you wanted to, if you wanted, basically, if you wanted the Pokemon that you had to be a little bit bulkier, it like basically raise its defenses, you would have to find a Pokemon in the wild of the Pokemon game to, that'll basically give your Pokemon more EVs within within the certain defensive stats that you were trying to raise. So that way the next... Oh, so it's not like a skill tree in the sense that you can put Correct. it there. You have to go find and seek out these Correct. Ba- that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh. Um, and so a lot of people will, uh, will go throughout the game not knowing about EVs. And so they have just random EV distribution throughout you know throughout the stats which if you if you're if if you want to equally raise all of your stats you know uh that's that's fine and it, and it can be done but i know a lot of competitive people really want okay i really need this pokemon to i really need this pokemon to be fast and hit hard so i want to max out the evs in attack and max out the evs in speed and have no evs whatsoever in any of the other stats um, but if you're just playing through the p- games casually, you're going to get EVs in those other stats. And I believe the only way to glo- get those back down to zero is by use of a special item that you get post game. Oh, wow. So that's, that's, that's why when a lot of people play competitive Pokemon, they either use a simulator like what I've been doing and uh, playing Pokemon showdown or they, um, oh my God, I lost my words or, th- or they'll hack. Oh, so they can just change whatever they want to. Yeah. And uh I and IVs are the other the other types of values that can affect your stats are a little bit less fair. Uh IVs are basically they each of the st- each individual stat can be any IV level from 0 to 31 and you have no control over that. The Pokémon is born with a certain set of IVs and you're just stuck with it that way. The only way to get a Pokémon with a with, you know, more beneficial IVs is to breed the Pokémon within game with another Pokémon so that way they lay an egg and basically have another Pokémon have a baby Pokémon born with more preferential IVs, but you may have to go through multiple generations of Pokemon to get perfect all 31 IVs or to get perfect IVs in the stats that you want. So in order to do it legitimately, a lot of Pokemon, a lot of Pokemon players have to play the game for hundreds of hours in order to get the Pokemon team that they want for a competition. So that's why a lot of people may just choose to hack in their team and then compete with that, which I don't think is against the rules as long as, as long as the Pokemon themselves still conform to like normal rules. Like you can't give a Pokemon a move that they wouldn't be able to learn otherwise, or you can't have a Pokemon of a different type than it is otherwise. As long as the Pokemon themselves conform to normal rules, I think for most competitions, it's allowed to go ahead and hack them in. Because they... That makes sense, because it's like team building. And so, and they know, the game devs know that it takes so long to get, to like, do it legitimately. Right. That's just like, learning just that little bit about the, you know, competitive side of it. Like, my gosh. My brain hurts. <laughs> no, and this is all stuff that I've. This is all stuff that I've. Uh, like I've always known about EVs and IVs, but I never really, really knew about them until like just recently when I've started playing competitive Pokemon. But now I have more of an understanding of it. 
I still suck at competitive Pokemon. Like, I'm not good at all. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I beat you. Remember that? Oh my god, you did! I forgot about that! <laughs> yes, I did beat you on a one-off thing. I don't think I'd ever be able to beat you again, but... Oh, man, now I'm mad. Well, wasn't <laughs> that... Ah, whatever, I'm not gonna get into it. You know what, one thing I do want to bring up, though, is, you know, something that we'll probably talk about later on in a future episode, but how... Really, the Minecraft community has adopted Pokemon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pixelmon? Like, with Pixelmon. Yeah, huge. Ginormous. And, like, I I think, isn't there, are there things in the Pixelmon mod that make it different than actually playing? Because, like, I think you have to, like, grow the berries and make the the balls out of those berries, right? Fun fact, those those mechanics actually came from Pokemon games. Not not all of them. It's a mechanic mainly found in uh, the Generation 2, and then again in Generation 4 when the Generation 2 games were remade. But yeah, there was there's these things called Apricorns, which you can find throughout the Johto region, is what it's called. And these Apricorns can be turned into special Pokeballs that can be more or less effective against certain Pokemon. So... You can turn a gray apricorn into a heavy ball that is more effective against heavier Pokemon. I mean, yeah, yeah that I makes do sense. I would say most of the mechanics within Pixelmon came from Pokemon in one way or another. I don't think I uh, of of course, except for like the the strictly Minecraft uh, aspects of it. I I the I think of, everything yeah. within Pixelmon came from Pokemon in one way or another. That's cool how they can take a whole nother game, Pokemon, and put it into another game, Minecraft, and it still be virtually the same thing. Yeah, and uh, and I think I have I've never played Pixelmon myself, and I know, um, I know some people have reached out to me on TikTok or and Twitch saying like, oh, you should, you should play Pixelmon sometimes, and I never and I never have mainly because I. I, I'm scared of installing mods on Minecraft and afraid of I'm going to break something. That's fair. I mean, they have launchers that do it for you. That is true. I need, and I need to look more into that, but I think, um, I think in Pixelmon, they also have gyms, which I think would be really cool to try out. That would be cool. I wonder how the fighting animation is in Pixelmon though. The fighting animation. I have seen some let's plays of Pixelmon. Um, I think the fighting animations at least from what I saw, were pretty generic, which is, uh, which is, so, in, in some of the newer games, the, the fight, some of the fighting animations can be pretty generic, especially when it comes to the, especially when it comes to the models of the Pokemon themselves. So like the 2D flat type model? I mean, like the newer games were like, it's, it's all 3D now. So like, instead of a sprite, all the Pokemon have 3D models that, that are used in battle. But a lot of them, are very stationary. Might they might as well be two D. They move like two inches up and down the screen whenever they attack. Pretty much. <laughs> One of the ads on the page that I'm on right now is just like, do you want to do you want to train a goth Pokemon team? These black shinies make it possible. Um. Oh gosh. <laughs> and that's an and that's another um that's another thing about Pokemon that it, like if you're not a competitive Pokemon player, you may be what's called a, a collector and collectors will go out of their way to try to complete the Pokedex, uh, within their respective game. And 
that may be that may be a fairly simple task depending on the game, but most of the time it's going to be a nightmare um, because a lot of Pokemon you cannot get unless you uh, have the help of other people. So it's it, it's a, a lot of for a lot of games it's impossible to do a solo uh, run of just collecting all Pokemon within the game. Oh wow, I do, I do need to know how toxic is the Pokemon community. <sighs> I think the people the people that I have been playing with and whatnot, I think overall have been pretty good. I um I do know that toxicity exists as as it does with any I was about to say anything's gonna be toxic. Right, as as any gaming uh fan base would. I think I might have had one or two people that have been toxic, but overall I think the people that I that I play with and I play with them on a regular basis, they've been pretty cool about it. They'll, they'll like help me learn, you know, about, about like, what would be the, what would be the best move in this scenario to do? Well, that's cool. Yeah. They'll help me team build and whatnot because the people in my chat on Twitch are way better at Pokemon competitive than I am. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know some, some communities can be really toxic in the sense of gatekeeping. You know, they, they don't want anybody new in because, oh, it's this new fad that came out or. This new sudden realization of how great the thing is. Yeah, that exists with a lot of things. Like, uh, the first example that comes to my mind is, like, Call of Duty. Oh, yes. Uh, well, of course, Call of Duty inherently in itself is toxic. Is toxic. But, like, a lot of people, you know, will will look down upon what, what they call the Christmas noobs. Oh, so the people who get it for Christmas. Pretty much the new, the new players that come around whenever they get the game for Christmas a lot of people can be really toxic to them because a lot of people like you and I, for example, are longtime players of call of duty. And you know, whenever I, I'm not, not saying that we're like these people. Cause we're not, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. We're not like those people at all, but a lot of people who may have the playing experience that we do and maybe even more so will be pretty toxic towards those people who are pretty new to the game because they got it for Christmas. Now that, and then after a little bit, the the skill-based matchmaking may take into effect, and all of a sudden the Christmas noobs are out of their lobby, and then they rejoice. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, we get to play our other sweaty people, and then I get to get really mad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, not fun. And I think the main toxicity when it comes to Pokemon comes from the trading card game. I think a lot, of, most trading card games actually, and this might be, we might be able to delve into this in later topics, but I think a lot of trading card games are surprisingly toxic. See, I wouldn't know that because I don't play many. The most card game that I play is D&D with you. And I, that's not card at all. I was about to say, that's not even a card game. I've heard Magic the Gathering's pretty toxic. Yes. It just uh, I, doesn't make sense to me. How can a card game be so toxic? It, so, because I think what, what, what the thing is about trading card games is that you have to build your own deck. It's you, You're not given just like a random... You're not just given like a random set of cards to be able to use however you can. You build your deck, you shuffle it, and then so a lot of people will try to make these unbeatable combos. And then when they when they find out that, oh wait a minute, there is there is a counter to you know my my combo here, I think they get pretty mad because a lot of time goes into uh, deck building. Right. So they're more so they're more butt hurt than anything. Pretty much. They're 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 pretty butt hurt. Uh, and can get pretty mad about it whenever they find whenever someone finds a counter to their unbeatable setup. <laughs> oh man. But like I'm assuming it's also like with when we say toxicity like that, I'm also thinking 
oh, here comes the newbie, the person who doesn't know anything. So me, the, the brand new kid who was pulled off the block, say, to Pokemon, I pick up, you know, a couple packs of cards from from the store. I open them. Cool. Right. I, I'm through the world. I'm starting my brand new journey in this Pokemon card game adventure. And I go to my local card shop. And I get my ass whooped. I have a feeling that some of those, I, not maybe not necessarily here, but definitely in other places, like people would be like, "Why is he here?" Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, it's it's hard. A lot of a lot of the trading card games, and I think the Pokemon trading card game is like this to an extent. Actually, not even to an extent to a, to a very high degree. Where like you can't learn unless you can't learn the best way to do it unless you play. And so so like yeah, a noob's gonna go in there and get absolutely schmacked in a session at their local game shop. But I think they're gonna come back. They're gonna come back the next time, knowing that they might be able to learn something from their current experience. So, like, would you recommend? I not necessarily recommend, but like, you know, that the game that you play, Pokemon Showdown. Would you recommend that for someone who is trying to learn as competitive Pokemon? Absolutely. Well, I don't. Come to think of it, I'm not too sure now that now to think about it because I think Pokemon Showdown. There's not a lot of tutorial anything going on. If you if you if you're one of the people who learn best by just by you know throwing themselves at a wall you know with the hopes that that one day they'll break through it if you learn best that way then go for it but I think one of the better ways to at least learn the fundamentals of Pokemon is to play a Pokemon game casually okay because like obviously you get you get so many different areas of Pokemon right like we talked about there's the games there's Pokemon showdown which I'm going to just group that in, of course, with competitive Pokemon. But then you get card game, you get everything else in between. And it's just, there's so much to learn. Like, I don't know how this is all in your brain because my brain is like, well, I just, I just know I'm going to feel the same way probably. Although I do have a little bit more of, I, although I do have a little bit more basis of knowledge for this particular topic than you do for Pokemon. But I think that the, whatever episode comes out where you lead us in a discussion about Star Wars, I'm going to probably feel the same way. Oh, yeah, that makes true. But the thing is, at least for me, I think there's a lot more canon when it comes to Star Wars than Pokemon. Just because... Star Wars has really evolved and it's been here obviously a lot longer. It reaches, does it reach more of an audience? Probably. Well, in the sense that in, in a general sense of audience, like it reaches adults and younger kids and the Pokemon doesn't necessarily reach adults like all the time, but. Uh, you are right. So like Pokemon is pretty much, they, they cater to the younger audience because that's what their games are made for. They don't take into account the opinions of their older fans, even though they are the loud majority of of the fans that are out there. Because because people have been dying for a harder Pokemon game for forever. Because a lot of people who, like me, started Pokemon uh, when Gen three and Gen four came out in the like the two thousands, we have grown and we have evolved and we. Uh, haha, nice pun there on evolved. <laughs> we have we have grown and we learned a lot about Pokemon. So now when we play a new game that comes out, it's pretty easy to us. It's pretty much the same thing, right? Like, I mean, a lot a lot of it is fundamentally the same thing. You you leave your you leave your home. You you get a new Pokemon from either the Pokemon professor or some or someone adjacent to the Pokemon professor, 
and then you go off on your merry little way to fill out the Pokedex, but there are like, like some side stories here. Um, oh, crap. You know, there's a, there's a rift in space-time forming. We gotta close it up. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, we gotta tame the, we gotta tame the legendary Pokemon Sinnoh. And then Sinnoh turns out to be two separate Pokemon. One that controls space, one that controls time. And so the two clans that, that worshipped Sinnoh, um, were both right in saying that, oh, this one said, oh, Sinnoh controls time. What are you talking about? No, control Sinnoh controls space. Turns out they're both correct. But pretty much there's, there's a lot of similarity in that the, the, the baseline of the game is very similar. Go out, get your starter Pokemon, and then you go out, fill out the Pokedex. You may have to, you may have to go through some sort of big story, like the one I just talked about, space and time. That's, that, that's going to vary between Pokemon games, but at the very fundamentals of it, Pokemon is very similar generation to generation. Okay. Yeah, because like I, I believe I read somewhere that they were wanting the harder game to be this most recent one they released because it's an open world. And it was like one thing that they wanted, and but it didn't deliver, right? So are you talking about the one that I just got done playing? I think so. Okay. So that one is Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think overall it is a harder game than the rest of the main series because the formula is very different in the way you do things. In every in every other Pokemon main series games, uh, in order to obtain a Pokemon, you enter a battle. You enter a battle with it. You take its health down a little bit. You might inflict a status condition on it, and then you throw a Pokeball at it, and then, you know, you have to follow all those steps. With Pokemon Legends Arceus, in order to fill out the Pokedex, in order to catch Pokemon, you may be able to just sneak up on a nearby Pokemon that's not expecting it, throw a Pokeball, and then catch it without having to do that all that other stuff. So a lot of the, formu a lot of the formula is flipped, and I think in some ways it is a little bit harder than the, main than the other main series Pokemon games. Um... Because apparently Legends Arceus is also considered a main series game. It also includes probably the hardest boss fight Pokemon battle in the entire series. Really? Like, it is insane. So, well, it's basically, it's a post-game boss battle where, like, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're ever going to play it. So I'll go ahead and spoil it. Spoiler warning for Pokemon Legends Arceus if you have not played it. There's this character that, you know, you interact with a lot throughout the series, uh, Volo. He's, he's introduced as like this merchant character that is kind of interested in you because, you know, as you as a character, you fell down from a space-time rift out of the sky in this new world. I think it's I think it's to be insinuated that you are from the future and you kind of flew back to the past or maybe an alternate version of the past to basically help these people out. And Volo, of course, for that reason, is very interested in you. You know, you kind of, you kind of meet up with Volo uh, throughout throughout the game, you'll battle with him every now and then, have some conversations. Once you finish the main story, you do a side quest with Volo. I don't even know if it's a side quest. I think, I think it's like another main quest that's like after the main story. You do a main quest with Volo to con to collect plates. And plates are a very, you know, in this game especially, are a very important item in Pokemon. Where like, if you give a Pokemon to hold a plate, it'll, it'll um, power the moves of its specific type by a certain percentage, although they do act differently in um, Legends Arceus, and I'll probably get to that in a little bit. But Volo is kind of helping you and guiding you to collect all these plates, and then it's revealed once you have all of them but one, Volo has you meet him at the top of Mount Coronet 
is a very important story place. And basically, oh yeah, thank you for gathering all the plates for me. And he brandishes the one that you didn't have. And it's like, I will I will now take on Arceus. I will now take on Arceus and be and basically redefine this universe or something or whatever his motivation was. So you then battle him with a very strong team of fairly high level Pokemon, and the full team level is six. So you battle him having six Pokemon that are all very strong. And have, you know, they're all pretty good Pokemon too. You get through that battle, you defeat him in battle, but then all of a sudden using the plate that he has in his hand, he beckons forth basically the devil of the Pokemon world, Giratina, and Giratina battles alongside him. So, And then, then using your team of six Pokemon that is withered from the battle that you just faced, you now have to battle this legendary devil Pokemon uh, in order to get it down. And it is very strong. You finally defeat Giratina after 17 tries. Um, and then Giratina, oh, wait a minute. It regains all its health and it changes form. Is Giratina the equivalent to Gyarados question? No, it is not. Gyarados, and they have similar names, but Gyarados, funny enough, Gyarados evolves from from a very weak fish Pokemon called Magikarp. Oh, wait, that's right. I knew that. Yeah, Mag- Magikarp is like this very weak Pokemon. The only move it learns until a, until a reasonable level is Splash, and the and the move the effect of the move is nothing. You use sl- Splash in battle, nothing happens. That is it. Oh, I just looked up a picture of Giratina. I've seen that one before. Yeah, Giratina is like a legendary dragon Pokemon from an alternate reverse dimension uh, that's essentially the devil of the Pokemon world. And that Volo beckons to fight alongside him. And you have to defeat Giratina, who is a very strong legendary Pokemon, twice. So Wow. So using your six Pokemon, you have to battle essentially an eight Pokemon team. All of the Pokemon are very strong, and two of them are the same legendary Pokemon that has very little, very little weaknesses. Actually, that 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 that, uh, ooh, that does seem hard. How many, did it take you seventeen tries? Did you count that? By the way, I I did not count. It did not take me as long as some other people. I think. It took me a lot longer. It took me longer than... I, I want to say it took me about the average amount of tries. Bro, imagine like a Dark Souls game, but Pokemon. I mean, Legends Arceus is probably the closest we've ever come. Yeah. But I mean, like, take it to the level of being... I know it never would be on those consoles because... Doesn't it... Does Nintendo own it? Pretty much. I, Pokemon will never be on another console other than whatever whatever Nintendo's biggest thing but is. But, like, imagine, like, Dark Souls or... What's the one that just came out? I can't think of it right now. Oh, Elden Ring? Elden Ring. But, like, I'm sure people have tried and they will get there, but reskinning it as, like, Pokemon. I'm sure someone has already made a mod for it. Oh, I'm sure. Like, for Dark Souls or Elden Ring, someone has already made a mod. And, you know, for, for you know, a, basically a Pokemon-themed Elden Ring. That, that would be crazy, because obviously those games are really hard. Yeah, ab- absolutely. My brain hurts, though. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's an... And, during this conversation it's it kind of surprised me how much knowledge i have of pokemon and i know that there's still there's still a lot that i could learn yeah that's i'm sure but obviously like as we go on speaking like just in the in the podcast in general there's gonna be a lot of things that you know we realize that we do know more about that we don't know and obviously there's gonna be more from everything well i think we've 
we've gone on blabbering about Pokemon enough. I mean, a lot of this, we could potentially go into an episode two or something like that. Of Oh, there will be an episode two. There will be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think for now, I mean, that and that episode might come whenever Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out. Um, but I think for now, that'll pretty much go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for joining. This is our first episode of our podcast. So if you could, please go ahead and uh, you know follow us on our socials. I am Weebum, W33BUM, pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can follow Karsten. What are your socials? I'm looking it up right now. My Twitter is at Handy Karsten. And my TikTok is KarstenH119. My TikTok is Himbo underscore Deluxe. Let's get it up to 6,000 followers, please. Thank you. Um, also, follow us on Twitch. Uh, again, Weebum there, W33BUM, and you can follow uh, Karsten. I believe I am Karsten Handy. Just, just straight up Karsten Handy. And yeah, this is our first podcast episode. If you have any feedback or any questions that you might want to ask, feel free to email us at nerdandnerderpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's N-E-R-D-A-N-D-N-E-R-E-D. No. Wow. <laughs> N-E-R-D-A-N-D-N-E-R-D-E-R at gmail.com. No, I forgot the podcast part. Nerdandnerderpodcast at gmail.com. Just don't listen to him spell. He can speak a little bit today, but he can't spell. That's pretty That's pretty much it. But anyways, tune in next week whenever Karsten takes upon the role of nerder and will basically educate us about whatever he decides his topic to be. So we will be right here, same place, on Sundays, every Sunday. Haven't really figured out a time of upload, but we will be here every Sunday. So once again, thank you so much for joining. And remember, stay nerdy, my friends.